Hello and welcome back. Episode number 30. Now, firstly, gang, thank you for joining me again. And I must apologise humbly for not being around for, I'd said two weeks, and it's ended up being three. Um, It's kind of out of the ordinary. And I do apologise because I like to be regular, don't we all? It's all about prunes. So now, in all seriousness, I I do want to apologise. Life has taken over um, some very strange work hours um, tied in with life, tied in with trying to keep up with, uh, catch up with people in real time. Um, And then the other thing is, and it continues at the moment, having issues with technical stuff. I can't even begin to tell you. I'm not the most technically, can't even say it, let alone be doing it, technically minded person. So yes, um, there are issues with my studio, which hopefully uh, we are going to get alleviated um, ASAP and normal service will be resumed. Anyway, um, there's also the third thing was that there has been guest illness. So all the things tied up and I was just kind of stuck with a broken studio, broken guests and a broken soul. Anyway, I'm back. So this is episode 30 and thank you, thank you, thank you for joining. Um, This week I have the pleasure of talking to Mr. John Sears, who is an actor. Um, He's also a great friend. Um, He is a great actor and he is another person that I met through the play Lilies that we've discussed before. Um, The... uh, Michelle Marc Bouchard play uh, that we did at Greenwich and uh, at the Dublin Gay Theatre Festival. Um, So John is going to be talking to us from a slightly older perspective. Um, And uh, so we've had kind of, we've had quite a few ranging ages so far, um, kind of from uh, starting back with my very first guest, Kieran, right through to uh, to John, who is um, a bit older than me and so has a kind of different perspective um, and a slightly different generational aspect to it. So anyway, uh, I think you'll really enjoy this. Um, it was recorded in a slightly different method. Um, as I say, due, due to technical problems, I had to do it via... Um, via a phone app as Skype. Again, oh, Skype. That's another problem. Skype was being a bitch. Skype was being a bitch. So we had very difficult issues with that. Anyway, so this uh, particular interview, it's a bit grainy, but I hope it's still nevertheless um, enjoyable for you. And I think it's a great chat. As I say, normal service will be resumed in the next episode. Anywho... Um, it's a beautiful sunny day, um, and it's Friday, and it's the 27th of October, so we are getting close to Halloween, and getting close to, uh, in the UK, to the 5th of November, uh, Guy Fawkes Night, Bonfire Night. Um, so it's a season for mulled wine, and watching fireworks, and being scared, and so that's all good fun. Um... Sharon Needles from Drag Race. There's an album to check out. I haven't even got to recommendations, and I'm throwing in there. Um, so yes, um, I've been, as I say, I've been kind of catching up with friends in real time. Um, as I'm, I'm just about to go away on tour. Um, I've also this is uh, an interesting thing that's come up. I've accepted an exclusive three-week run 
for a Christmas job. More to be revealed down the line. I will say no more. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting started in on the show in the meantime on Get Therapy. And I said I've given you the details before and I will on the next podcast put them out there again um, as I will be out on the road. Um, I may even just put them in show notes rather than keep putting and pestering you uh, actually on the podcast itself. Um, So... Um, As I want to move swiftly into uh, our chat with John, my recommendations this week, there is one that involves me. Hmm, There's a surprise. It's another podcast. Um, It's called Chappie's Musings. Chappie's Musings. And it's by um, a previous guest of mine, Tim Brown, um, who is the CEO of Goal. I think maybe I've mentioned I was doing it. Um, Well, it's 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 his episode number 17 on Chappie's Musing and I say he's interviewing me and you know what it's such a freeing feeling being interviewed by someone else and not have to keep the conversation ticking over myself um I think it's a great listen and he's he's a he's he's a fun guy um and we talk about a lot of stuff we cover a lot of ground and things that I don't necessarily uh chat about on my podcast so if you want to learn a little bit more go over he's on itunes soundcloud stitcher etc um and go to chappie's musings and it's just my name the name of the episode is just my name matty and kelly so definitely give that a go um another one so this is another podcast recommendation and it's called the thread with ozzy and ozzy is ozy the thread with ozzy and he has these episodes for about 25 minutes so not quite as epic as some of us um but they are compact and fascinating and he's the thread starts with uh the first episode was the murder of john lennon um and it's about the murder of obviously the, the murder of john lennon at the dakota building in manhattan next to central park and keith and i did go and uh visit there when we were um in New York and it's a beautiful building Um, but he was shot just outside by Mark David Chapman so the first episode is kind of explaining that and how Mark David Chapman sat outside stood outside the Dakota um, reading Catcher in the Rye after he'd killed John Lennon he was found still reading the book and kind of said something along the lines of this will explain everything and so what happens in this podcast, it follows the thread down. And the next one is about the catcher in the rye and the main character who uh, Mark David Chapman became obsessed with. So then it looks at uh, the character and that book. And then it moves into, it goes through into American Shakespeare and, and, and on and on and so forth. And so there's a thread. Um, I believe at some point we're going to get it to uh, Marxism and things as well. So uh, anyway, so it's quite an interesting uh, little number. I'm saying they're only about 20, 25 minutes long each. So uh, they're, they're nice and compact and very interesting. Um, so albums, uh, the first one, there's two, is um, called Native Invaders and it's by Tori Amos. Now, I'm not I think she's I've always thought she's super talented. Um, I'm I'm a Kate Bush fan, as regular listeners will know. Um and so I used to be a little bit accusatory at Tory um about her you know, that she was very similar to Kate Bush. I mean she's admitted very openly that she's been influenced by and she uh, sings uh, Kate Bush numbers live and does them 
extremely well. Um, anyway, that was kind of when I was a bit younger that I used to feel like that. Um, Keith is a big fan. Um, but this album was suggested to me and I just kind of dipped in. And I have to say, it's it's brilliant. Um, it's very... I think she, she wrote, recorded it. She'd been um, kind of in mountain regions in the US walking and being living and kind of taking herself out the thing so it's got kind of a um kind of a celtic feel to some of it um and obviously native invaders it has uh that i guess it has a native american influence on it as well um and uh well, a track to go to so you can get a good taste of it is called Up the Creek. So again, you know I like to drop in a track to start your to start your day with or to, to see if you want to dip your toe in any further and actually just dive all the way in. Um, Up the Creek by Tori Amos is a good place to start on her album Native Invaders. And the second album um, is called The Cleansing and it's by a group, a collective called Annabelle and then in brackets, Lee. Um, and Lee is spelled L-double-E. So it's Annabelle, open brackets, Lee, close brackets. And it's very emotional, a little bit trip-hoppy, um, quite jazzy, um, quite eerie in some places. Um, and it's inspired by... Uh, Edgar Allan Poe and one of the tracks is a reply to, Ed, to an Edgar Allan Poe poem um, which I will let you Google and discover a little bit more about yourselves because we'll be here forever if I try and explain it but anyway so it's got that vibe well lots of vibes to it um, but I absolutely love it and I can totally recommend especially if you want something that's a little bit more calming um, and you are trying to as they say chill out it's a perfect album for that Anyway, those are my recommendations. Again, uh, bear with this podcast and the uh, the the grainy quality. Um, as I say, I hope it won't impair your uh, listening pleasure. And we'll be back to normal service next week. And thank you for bearing with me and sticking with me. Keep subscribing, keep spreading the word, um, sharing, and yeah, thanks thanks for coming back. And so here, without any further ado is Mr. John Sears. So, hello, John, and thank you very much for joining me on no, this um, not-so-sunny... Um, no, pissing down here, actually. <laughs> is it raining with you? Goodness. It is. It's actually raining here at the moment. We're both on either side of London at the moment, so for the listeners, we are we are in the same city, but, uh, yes. but quite a few miles apart. Other side um, of the river. Other sides of the river, indeed. Um, I, I saw John last night in um, the Howard Barker play, The Castle, and John was very, very funny indeed. Oh, and, very uh, done, thank you. And I will let him sell the show a little bit at the end, because then they may still be in time to sell a few tickets. Um, so, John, I know from Lily's, and you played Bishop Billadoo? I did, yes. Yes, the grown-up Bishop Billadoo. The grown-up. Yeah. Um, and that play was the one I talked about to the listeners before by oh, Michel okay. Bouchard. It is, it is. It's a lovely play, actually. It is. Apparently it's been an, um, opened as an opera in um, oh, Victoria really? and BC oh, I, this year. I missed yeah. that. Oh, oh yeah. gosh, yeah. So, um, one 
go and see if you are in Victoria. Yeah. Anyway, so John has appeared in everything from Romeo and Juliet, Merchant of Venice. I'm listing things here. Dracula, Festen, yeah. Love Story, the musical, The Cherry Orchard, and... Uh, Lilies and currently in the castle. I've covered your hits there, I think, haven't I? Think, I think you have, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to, sorry, just, I have to say, I'm sorry, I'm full of cold at the minute. So yes, John does I, have I a cough bit of, occasionally. Just if, if you do, that's all right. We've had lots of guests with sniffles recently, so it's yeah, fine. Yeah. Now, um, John, tell us uh, where you are currently based and how long you've been there. I'm currently based in uh, Plaster in East London. Uh, which I've lived in now for, oh, seven and a half years. It's almost the longest I've lived anywhere since I was a child. Goodness me, and you do have a marvellous, John grows all his own veg. Well, most, Um, most. Most, most. (laughs) Most, And uh, we have had the pleasure of uh, eating those vegetables from that particular garden a few times. Still um, coming, they are. Still coming, even at this time of year. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Awesome crop. Um, so, John, where? So let's start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. Where ah, were you born? I was born in Hartford Hospital, um, but we lived in uh, Waltham Cross, which is in South Hertfordshire, um, very much North London, really, in cultural mm-hmm. terms. Um, almost Essex, <laughs> in fact, for anybody who knows where Waltham Cross is, um, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I lived there for the uh, first sort of 12 years of my life, and then we moved a bit further north into Hertfordshire uh, and stayed there till I was 18. So basically, oh, I'm a, what they call in the trade a Hertfordshire hedgehog, apparently. Is that a... Is, oh, I, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, native of Hertfordshire. I learned that when I when I was a teenager. We went to a youth hostel in the Cotswolds, and the bloke yeah. just looked and said, oh, you're a Hertfordshire hedgehog. And we think, oh, well, we'd never heard the phrase, but... But yes, apparently. What does it imply? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to come back that's, to that's that. That's my worry, yes. yes. <laughs> um, so, so school for you, let's just uh, kind of uh, school and, and, and actually, let's, let's, okay, let's just rewind a second. Mm. Are you happy telling the listeners uh, the year you were born? Oh, yes, yes. Born then. I was born in 1949. There we go. So they are first, they can half, do the maths. first half of the last century. <laughs> wow. Don't yeah. say I'm well, I'm no younger still. Um, okay, so there you go. Uh, there you go, listeners. You can figure that one out yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so school. Were you... Did you enjoy school? Presumably um, you not really, no, actually. No? Um, I enjoyed the things around school in the sense of, uh, you know... Uh, I, I, I played quite a bit of sport. Um, I played chess at the school. I, I acted. So the sort of the extracurricular stuff, I yes. really liked. Um, school itself, I thought was tedious, um, and on the whole, our teachers were pretty boring. So not all of them. There were some very good ones. Okay, so it wasn't so much. It was it's more kind of frustration and boredom than being anxious and unhappy. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't un, unhappy at school in that sense, but it, but no, I was bored a lot of the time, to be honest. That you know, um, teachers who in those days used to just dictate notes to you, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you'd sort of sit there and think, oh my god, you know, and I, I'd, I'd, my brain would wander off somewhere, you know, 
because it's possible to take dictated notes with only half your brain in operation. So. Absolutely. So did you did you have any particular subjects that you excelled in? Um, yeah, I, I was I was always good at maths. I was always good at English and history. Um, history was my favourite subject at school, in fact, and, okay. and still is very largely. I mean, I read a lot of history still, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and also biology. Uh, but that was because we actually had some more interesting teachers there. I think who <laughs> the <way they laughs> let us do stuff and you know actually mm. do experiments. Hooray! Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, drama was there any kind of acting? <laughs> drama wasn't really. A, yes, a, yeah. I mean, in at, at grammar school because uh, it was the days of grammar school and secondary moderns. Uh, mm. uh, at, at grammar school, we'd had, we had a lot of drama going on, actually. There was always a school play or musical. Um, and, and were you a, in everything? And I, I was in everything from year seven onwards. And there was a, a house play competition, mm. um, because we were divided into houses for competitive things. Um, and... Uh, they, uh, I, when I, not when I was, you know, very young in the school, but when, as you get older, I took part in the house plays as well. Um, okay. So, yeah, it was, I mean, from that side of things, school school, school was very good. I, you know, they had a lot to offer. Mm. Um, and it had some uh, very good sort of English teachers who, who were involved in all of that. We didn't actually have a separate drama department or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but early days for that, I suppose, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before, um, before the days of that in the school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you did you ever? I mean, uh, the, I, I ask this question a lot, and sometimes I kind of wonder why. I, 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 I probably should stop asking it, but I know it's been something for a lot of of uh, people I've chatted to on the podcast. Mm. Is did you, did you encounter any bullying? Um, not really. No. Um, a no, bit of primary good. school. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a kid there who used to bully everybody, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but at secondary school, no, not not at all, actually. Right. I mean, and at what point? I mean, because I, I, I'm obviously I know some of your history personally, but uh, for everybody, for everybody listening, when did you first become aware that you uh, you had feelings that weren't the same as some of your school comrades i think pretty early on actually um certainly uh early you know 12 13 ish um mm-hmm. i i think but then you, you see we were we were taught um that boys go through a homosexual phase so you could actually initially imagine that you were just you know developing perfectly normally um oh. Oh yeah, yeah. You were taught that it was a, really that. This mm. is fascinating. I've never heard this. Yep, said it was a very common thing uh, for boys to go through that. Not they didn't say everybody did it, but they said it was a very common thing for boys to go through that and to grow out of it. Um, really. So in that sense, there was no kind of great worry or concern about it. Right. You know, um, you just kind of thought, oh, it's something I'm going through, and you know, it'll change. But it didn't. <laughs> No, no. As we now know, that's that's, um, that's fascinating. That was given to you as a. This was a thing that it was, you know. That I suppose, in a way, that's almost. It, yeah, well, it kind of calms the the, the, the you know the worry. Yeah, well, it was. It, 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 I mean, you have to bear in mind too that I mean, you know, I say it was a mixed grammar school, but I mean, the boys 
had a separate entrance from the girls. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, so there was, there was quite a bit of segregation still, even though it was a mixed school. I mean, we taught in mixed classes, but, you mm. know, at, at sort of breaks and, and things like that, you always started sort of from the boys' end of the school or the girls' end, if you would go. And, and, you know, that, yeah, it was a very different mindset, um, mm-hmm. is how I'd describe it. Um, and, and so, you know, we did actually spend a lot of time just boys with boys. Right. Um, and, and which, you know, we, in a sense, they were saying, well, this is all quite normal. This is what happens. Right. That's, yeah. that's, I've, ne- I've never heard. Wow. Um, uh, well, it's because I'm old, you see. Because <laughs> you're not old. No, but I, I mean, I'm just talking to other people over the years. I've never, oh, but maybe people have just never discussed it. But, um, that's, that's fascinating. So, so, okay. Well, that's, so, so school was actually generally uh, a good, a good. Yeah. I mean, the same. I was bored more than anything, but, but yeah. yeah. If boredom is kind of, I suppose boredom is, if that's the worst, I mean, obviously it means you stop learning a bit, I guess. You're not listening and you're not you're not fully there, you're not fully present, but yeah. however, you're not unhappy. Not, not unhappy, no. I, I was a bit mm. frustrated sort of at, at A-level because I, I couldn't do the subject combinations I wanted to. Yeah. Um, so that pissed me off a bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, so I ended up having to take chemistry, you know, instead of history and that, that sort of oh, thing. Okay. But I, I decided in the end that to, to sort of take science side was better for me because I could always keep up with the English and the history just sure. out of my own interest, which indeed I have. So yeah, and uh, so uh, at this stage, kind of end of school, and obviously your interest in your interest in performing and being in school productions. Did 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 you have any inclination at this point to to take it further? Well, I did actually, um, <coughs> but I had very sensible parents who uh, we had a long discussion about what I was going to apply for at university mm. and because uh, I did say I would quite like to go and do drama and they sort of said well it would be much better if you got you know like a, a proper degree <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that would stand you in good stead um, and then you can always go back to drama later which in many ways I have done but that's a, a sort for of later in the conversation yes. really yes, absolutely. Um, but um, so I actually went to university and did zoology um, there was a point I didn't where I know that. Wow. Yeah, there okay. was a point where I didn't want to go to university at all, actually. I, but then, but then I'm, a, I'm an innately lazy person. I couldn't think of anything else that I wanted to do work-wise. So it seemed like going to university for three years was probably a better option. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where did you where did you study? Uh, I was at Bristol. Okay. Which is a lovely city to be in because it's a non-campus university. And, yeah. Right, we, sure. We, we had a good time, basically. And during university, um, going back to the sexuality thing, did 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 did, did anything occur in your life? Where you, did did things start to happen? Did you go out? No, no. Uh, basically, I mean, because I I went to university in '67, mm-hmm. a key year. Yeah, but yeah. It was still illegal for me to be gay. Yeah, because I was under twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so although I knew uh, by then, you know, that it wasn't just a phase, yeah. um, I, I actually just did nothing about it at all. Um, just for fear of, of um, legal reprisals? And, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and, and it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a big open, um, you know, there were no LGBT clubs or anything like that sure. at the university. I mean, they 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 did come sort of in the early 70s, but yeah. that was by, by that time I'd left. So, yeah. you know, um, so actually while I was at university, no, I mean, I kind of worked on the assumption that I might meet somebody, but then I didn't. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I suppose it's, you say, different time, different environment. People weren't so ready to, to yeah. be honest. Uh, yeah. Um, so 67, so, that's, so it was the, that was the yeah the year that, uh, that it was legalised, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But yeah. as I say, for, only for 21 hours. For 21. Goodness. Um, so uh, from university, I mean, you were teacher training? and uh, Well, I had, a, I had a year abroad first. Okay, uh, uh, I went to West Africa for a year on the VSO. I didn't know this. Right. Because in those days, you could go for just a year. I think these days you have to go for at least two years. But mm. in, in my day, you could go for a year, which was, I think, great for us. I'm not so sure it was very good for the country because you were only just about getting to know what was going on by the time you then left, you know. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I went and worked on a nature reserve um, oh. and taught at the local college, um, which... Um, I was, I mean, I was already considering teaching anyway, um, mm. and I'd got a deferred place uh, on a teacher training course before I went. Um, but I have to say, I, <coughs> I mean, I enjoyed the year enormously, and but I also did enjoy it. Found that I really enjoyed the teaching. Mm. So when I came back, I then did a PGCE. Uh, so it made sense to you. It started to kind of click that this is something that you enjoyed and you, you fit, yeah. fitted in with you. Yeah, well, it is, and it's it's. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the 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 interview I had uh, for the PGCE was hilarious, really, because um, the the first thing they asked me was why did I want to teach, and I said, well, you got thirteen weeks paid holiday a year, mm. and they all laughed politely, <laughs> and then and then looked at me again and said, well, why do you want to teach? And I'm thinking, well, I've told you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 13 weeks holiday a year is great, you know. <laughs> Next best thing to being at university. Um, yeah. So, But no, I mean, I like working with people. And yeah. I didn't really want to be confined to an office. Mm-hmm. Um, and although people, I've heard people say teaching is repetitive because you go through the same stuff year on year. But actually, it's not really because the kids are all different every yeah. time. Um, and actually, that's what makes it fun. I, yeah. I, and I have no regrets. I mean, I... I taught for 20 years in secondary school, and, um, you know, and the teaching side of it, I really enjoyed. I, you know, it's just fun to do. I, I was one of those strange people who quite looked forward to the start of term after the summer holiday and things like that, you know. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's one thing, you know, I think that ultimately that's going to be a good teacher because you're keen to be there rather than you're just there waiting yeah. for your next fag break, which yeah. I certainly have with some of my teachers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not all of them, because I know one of them occasionally listens um, <laughs> but, um, oh, excuse me no bless you um so yeah, the, i guess the, so what year did you you find what year did you sign off from teaching then well i was very fortunate um i was going to say in in that i inherited some money when my uncle died not so fortunate that he died but yeah he, he left me some money um, so I bought myself, I was a deputy head by that time, and I bought myself out for a, a year uh, mm. to go and do an MPhil, because uh, I'd was i got to a point 
where I knew I didn't want to go on to be a head. Mm. And, I, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I wasn't really enjoying being a deputy. Um, the teaching was still fine, but it was all the other crap, you know. Um, yeah. So I thought, well, I'll buy myself out for a year. And I went and actually lived with my sister in Nottingham for the year uh, whilst doing right. Phil. And uh, oh, I got to February. And I, you know how you look? You think, I'm not going back. I'm just right. not going back. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going back. It's not that. Um, so I wrote a resignation nation letter to her and she my head wrote back a really nice letter and sort of put in she said I didn't think you'd come back um, right. Right. Um, but I didn't know what I was going to do um, so I sold a house in Reading which is where I was deputy mm. then uh, bought one in Nottingham not, obviously not outright but you know bought a house in Nottingham and I took in lodgers and did supply work um, uh, yes, no, I didn't, yes. Yeah, and converted my um, uh, uh, MPhil into a PhD. And mm. uh, had two years of that, which was great fun, mm. <laughs> I have to say, and really freeing. It was kind of like midlife crisis, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, was, it was good. Um, really enjoyed it. And uh, uh, I got a bit of work at the university on the PGCE course. And yeah. then they had a full-time post come up for a PGCE tutor. So I applied for that and got it, and then spent 15 years doing teach training. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is, um, and ended up wow. sort of in Worcester, running the secondary education department at the university there. Now, the, the reason I asked, because I was asking about years as well, is because I'm just wondering, um, being in education, how, if, uh, impacted you at all? Whether Section 28 ever kind of had any? Uh, well, I no, I was always fairly sanguine about Section 28 because Section 28 didn't, despite what people said, did not say you couldn't teach about homosexuality. It said you can't promote it as, yeah. a, as a lifestyle. I never took that to mean that I couldn't include that in sex education lessons, which I right, used to okay. Do. So, and I used to say to people, don't worry about it, you know. As long as you're not saying to them, rush off and be gay, um, yeah. to actually just explain that there are people who are and who have relationships that are just like other people's relationships, that yeah. is not breaking the law. Yeah, right, right, right. You know. Okay, that's interesting, that, because it's AVMO. That's, um... Oh, people got very... I mean, I, th I mean, it was a crap piece of legislation. Don't yes, get me wrong. absolutely. But, absolutely um, but it, you know, I think if you were sensible as a teacher, you could perfectly well include aspects of homosexuality in your sex education lessons. I mean, it wasn't strictly on the syllabus anyway, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. I mean, for years I taught sex ed without you know, homosexuality being specifically mentioned in any of the syllabuses. Mm -hmm. But we used to discuss it anyway, because kids would ask questions. Sure. So, and I always took a view that if you're doing sex ed, you know, apart from personal questions, yeah. Um, which I said, you know, I'm, I'm not answering personal questions, I don't expect you to. But, you know, if you've got questions of a general nature about anything, I will answer them to the best of my ability. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And we had, you know, open discussions about all sorts of things. Uh, uh, well, it's good it didn't feel that you didn't feel tied to, you know, to keep the, to not even be able to mention the Oh, subject. absolutely not, uh, no. So no, and I tried to say, I mean, I had a lot of colleagues who felt like that. 
um, who, who I did try to persuade, you know, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to be afraid of it, yeah. you know. And, 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 and I, I would also say, by, you know, if you get on with your kids, mm. they're not going to complain. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. who's policing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. So I always felt quite strongly that, that although it was a piece of legislation that should never have been passed, that actually, yeah. you know, we could find ways around that. Yeah, it didn't impact you. Well, that's 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 good to hear because you know, the, I mean, obviously, I never saw it from a teacher's perspective. But um... oh, I think it affected a lot of people. I mean, I do think it stopped people. Um, yeah. I think there's no doubt about that. But I, yeah. I still feel quite strongly. You know, you you with a little bit of um, cunning, you could uh, make sure that it didn't actually prevent a discussion. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, well, tying with that, so uh, by this. Point, had you kind of fully admitted to yourself? Had you sat? sat oh down yeah. Yourself? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've been uh, clear in my own mind for you know well, since since university, you know, with the, the uh, of who I was and, and, and yeah. how I felt. Yeah. But I, I I think I've said this to you before. But mm. I mean, I just never did anything about it. Mm. Um, and I think as a teacher in those days, particularly in the early days, it would have been difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've met, obviously, over the course of my, my teaching career and, and time in uh, teacher training, I've met gay staff, but mostly they're not out. And yeah. I think people, even now, still feel that if they're openly out, that it will affect their career. Mm. Um, I mean, I think that's less true now, but that certainly through most of my teaching career in school that was the case and and people were not open and were not out with one notable exception in the very first school I taught in where the head of music was rampantly camping out and wore a red velvet cloak and (laughs) (laughs) and all sorts but he he was in it was interesting because he was indulged because he was a brilliant music teacher okay and did loads for the school in terms of extracurricular stuff yeah. Although I, I was taken aside by the head in my first year there and asked if I thought it was a concern. Really? Yeah. Wow. Just interesting thing. What I should have said was, you know, you shouldn't be asking me this, but <laughs> I, I didn't. Instead, I got involved in the conversation. But and yeah. I and I said to him, you know, it's no more of a concern than a middle-aged man, uh, you know, uh, eyeing up the way, girls, yeah. basically. Yeah. And in fact. Yeah. The only teachers I know who've got involved with kids have been heterosexual teachers. Right, right. You know. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, goodness me, that even. <laughs> yeah. I know. We need I, to have a word. I mean, incredible, but. Yeah, he um, he, he he was just. Cons- I mean, I, I dare say he had some concerns from you know parents or something, but. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. sure he was a brilliant music teacher. Oh, he was. He was fabulous, and and not at all interested in in you know yeah. children. But yeah, he but he's in in the whole of my career. He's the only out gay teacher that I've ever come across. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean to be honest with you, even <laughs> you know, obviously when I uh, teach language initially, I, even even being out and proud for so many years, when I first started, I was very cautious to. Yeah. To, to to discuss it because we, with my boss we didn't it wasn't uh, I didn't really talk about 
piece and I was sort of avoided yeah. and stepped around it. But now it's all fine and, and uh, I think she'll probably be at my wedding. But it's just, yeah, yeah. it's still still kind of strange that even now, and maybe it's maybe because I'm older as well that I would, I'm being tentative. But maybe, mm. um, well, I have, I don't know any sort of full-time teachers at the moment, so I can't say how they. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of out of touch with that world now, anyway. But yeah. uh, so I don't know how much it's changed. I know when, when I was at Nottingham in the PGC teaching on the PGC course, there was a one tutor who had a, you know, an LGBT sort of strand to his inputs and. Mm encouraged any students who wanted to to come and talk and discuss right. and so on but i mean he had very few takers yeah you know and, and yet we must have had gay students going through yeah. <laughs> who just never said you know yeah so even 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 then you know that wasn't that long ago yeah um so so there's i'm you know i think there is still a reluctance in the education world yeah. to be out yeah I never was. <laughs> Things keep changing. Um, so, jumping back, going ahead again. Um, so, uh, you're in Nottingham, and uh, so you kind of have those 15 years of um, of kind of feeling quite content. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been, you know, a reasonably happy person, and I think yeah. very lucky. And I mean, all through that time, I've I've acted as well. Yeah. Um, even you know, at school I used to direct things, um, and I used to join the local GNS society. Um, mm-hmm. And when I got into higher ed and uh, teach trainer, I, in, I, I worked with local sort of small theatres, which are kind of semi-professional. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then in Worcester, when I ended up in Worcester, there was a semi-professional company there who used to put on outdoor Shakespeare. Uh, through uh, for the Worcester Festival, mm-hmm. and I and I worked with them. So I've always done that all the way through. So yes, I've, I think never I've, never left you. No, 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 no. And and I think I've always been a reasonably contented person. You know, I, I've enjoyed what I've done. I've enjoyed the jobs I've done. Um, I've been able to pursue hobbies that I like. Mm. And, you know, being in the education world, as I say, you have 13 weeks holiday a year, which is yeah, great. <laughs> absolutely. A bit like being an actor, really. <coughs> so, yeah, rather more holidays, I find. <laughs> so that's, which brings me to, so, so then you said, right, I've been doing this and I've been enjoying this on the side for so long, I'm now going to yeah. grab the bull by the horns. What, how, what was the turning point? Well, actually, it was the it was the Worcester Shakespeare people. Yeah. Um, there was a guy there who had been trained actually in musical theatre, and who was looking at courses that would give him a, a stronger basis in s- sort of straight acting. Mm. And uh, he went for an audition for a course, got a place, and decided he couldn't afford it. And in, he, he'd been talking about it during rehearsals, and he brought to one rehearsal all the paperwork of it, and he just yeah said to me, he said, still, you could you could do it, <laughs> and just handed me all the blur, blurb. And I sort of went, oh, really? Um, you sh-? And he said, well, at least go for the audition. So I did, um, yeah. and I auditioned on the Saturday, and Sunday was Mother's Day, and okay. I was driving from Worcester to Nottingham, because so, my mother was by then in Nottingham, yeah. and uh, they rang me. 
so I pulled on to the hard shoulder of the M42, and the bloke on the phone sort of said, well, you know, we like what we saw yesterday. We're going to offer you a place, but because it's quite late in the year, we need you to decide, you know, to tell us definitely whether you're going to take it or not. Yeah. And I can remember just going, yes. <laughs> right. Um, and then I put the phone down and thought, oh, what have I done? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then I got to Mother's Day. And I kind of I kind of spoiled Mother's Day for them because I, I hadn't warned anybody that I was doing it, right. the audition. Um, and... Uh, uh, because I thought there'd be plenty of time to talk about it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I sort of boldly announced that I was going, giving up my job and uh, going to train as an actor. <laughs> and I kind of got <laughs> blank looks, you know. <laughs> now, this is something I want you to tell to, to, to the listeners, because I, I know there's a lot of people who, and I've talked about this with other um, guests, is that people are cautious about taking a leap later, I'm just going to say later in life because it is, and any, well, considering anyway, over 40, it's it's okay to still change your mind um, or not change your mind or have a new thought. Um, So can you just tell us exactly what age this happened? I was 58. So there you go. There you go. I mean, Um, to to be honest, Matt, the the bigger jump for me was giving up being the deputy head. Right. Because I didn't know what I was going to do. Sure. And I still had a massive mortgage and, you know, all of that. And it was a very well-paid job for its time. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't really... That was, in some ways, a much harder decision to make. Um, Right. So when I got to this one, sort of in the late 50s, and you think, well, you know, well, I've got nothing to lose. You know, I'm on my own. Nobody else to please. Yeah. Actually, you know, and if, if I take early retirement, I can pay off my mortgage with the teacher's pension. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be in a really nice position. Um, yeah, so that absolutely. was actually a much easier decision. But I would, I would say to people, you know, whether it's in middle age or whatever, you know, if, if you want to do, do something or you think you, you're really fed up with what you're doing, change, you know. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's... it's it's. I mean, I mean, it's it's really quite weird because I remember some of the undergraduates when I was at Nottingham sort of going to me. Oh yeah, just resign. You know, you'll be fine. And me thinking, oh, you're an 18 year old. What the hell do yeah. you know? You know. <laughs> um, but they were right. They were right. Yeah. And it was the right thing to do. And I don't regret either that change or the change I made in my late fifties. Yeah. You know, I, I in both cases, I'm. You know, even though I was. Um, they had had happy careers and whatever, you know. No, really, not regretted either of those decisions mm. in in my life at all. And I would just say to people, you know, go for it. Just you know, do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and don't and and no and no regrets. And no regrets. No. Yeah. No. As far as we know, you only get one life. So. <laughs> <laughs> is, yes. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, and you're doing strong, and you're out there at the moment, but you certainly <laughs> coughed up a lung. Yes, yes. yes <laughs> the nasty cold you have there at the moment. Oh dear, yes. You, you and all the youngsters in the cast. I, I know, I know. Yes, so. it's gone through the cast a bit, but uh, we've struggled on anyway. So. Struggled on. Doctor theatre, doctor theatre. Yes, yes. Um, so uh, just yes. Yeah, so I mean, I want to talk a little bit about, obviously, talk about the acting, um, and. So, what have what for you have been the, the highlights of 
as a, as a well, I mean, as, it can be in rehearsal, or whatever. But I'm really glad we're talking about mm. as a performer. You know, what, what have been the parts that you've uh, that have given you the most? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. Um, I mean, because one of the one of the just as an aside slightly, but one of the things mm. that I decided when I went to train mm. was that I would be out to. Yeah the people that I was working with because I think as an actor you have to be um, having said that you see I'm not still out to my family so right. we, we've never talked about it I mean I'm sure they know but we've never discussed it so um, right. uh, and I you know so one of the highlights in a sense of doing the training and since being an actor mm. is, is that I'm with people who know um, uh, sure. In a way that I've never been throughout the rest of my life, yeah. so that actually has been a, a plus. Um, just to be yourself, just to be yourself yeah, in every sense yeah, of the word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know that that's been good. Actual parts that I've I really enjoyed. Well, I really did enjoy Lilies actually. Um, mm. um, that was a big uh, thing for me. Uh, and, it was and very it was emotional. Very emotional, emotional. Yes, and and I think that was partly release for me uh, as yeah. well after all those years um, yeah. and being surrounded by a cast with a lot of gay people in and you know yeah. it, it was a you know that was but that was good that was a good sh- and it was a good show and it, you know um, just and to, say, I, and just to really... jump in tell, tell, to, to explain to the listeners as well of course that we've I've already had uh, two other members of the cast on the podcast yeah. Dale and Andrew so yeah, uh, yeah. they would uh, be familiar with the story but yeah, yeah. but so that that was a, a real positive um uh, my previous production at the Space, um, Feston, mm. um, that again, that was a great part um, to play. Very difficult, very demanding. Yeah, part. do you want to explain the character a little um, bit? Well, the, it, it, for people who don't know the the play or the film, um, it's about a Danish family, and it's the father's 60th birthday, and they've just lost one of the children, and everybody comes to the birthday party, and his uh, eldest son stands up to give this speech at dinner and basically accuses him of having raped them as children. Um, yeah. uh, which, uh, you know, and then, and then the party continues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this is, this is, this is before the little book of Herger came out, I have to say, but we, we yeah. knew all about it by then. Um, yeah. and, and there is that kind of thing in Danish society, apparently where, you know, you have a close knit group, and you don't break out. You don't mm. break the rules. Mm. So the son, in doing what he did, has basically broken the rules of the party. Yeah. And, and essentially, people don't initially believe him. Yeah. Um, and so the party carries on, and the father uh, tries to get the son to leave, but the son doesn't leave. And eventually, they, you know, they wear the father down to the point where he. Uh, admits uh, that he did do it, and, and yeah. there's a terrible line in it where you, where I have to say to him, "It was all you were good for." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember. yeah. Um, uh, so it's a very emotional, very demanding play. We we actually went and talked to a, a child psychologist at the Tavistock Clinic, um, mm. who deals with these kind of cases, and he said it's not paedophilia in the normal sense of the word. Mm. It's not an interest in children per se. Yeah. It's about exerting power within the family, right. usually within a failed relationship between the husband and wife. Right. 
Um, he was fascinating. He came and saw it as well, which was very nice of him. Um, I mean, you, you do choose <laughs> you do choose the easy pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that that but that was I mean that that for me was great. I I you know it was a great part to do. Yeah. Um, but I've enjoyed. Was, sorry, most, go on. Go on. I just, I've, I've enjoyed most of the shows that I've been in. The odd one or two, not, but most of the shows that I've been in, I've, I really have enjoyed. You were Van Helsing in Dracula. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I wish I'd seen. I wish oh, I'd it seen. gave it gave me confidence that I could do a big part. Sure. Because um, that's probably the wordiest part I've had. Yeah. Um, uh, and on stage and for. Did so, your Dracula have? I've got to ask because I've never seen and I've never seen a stage production. Did he have teeth? Did he have? Did he have pointy no. teeth? Good. No. Good. He did. He, he was very pale, but he didn't have teeth. No. Good. Um, but that. <coughs> I mean, that was again. That was a fun part to do. Nice, nice crowd of people to work with. Yeah. Um, and uh, as I say, for me, that was a confidence builder because that was the biggest part I'd, I'd had. Uh, in, yeah. in terms of sheer volume of words and so on, mm-hmm. and you kind of think, oh, I'm in the sixties, but I can still remember all this stuff. Good. <laughs> yes, I, here's a question for you because uh, for, for, for the uh, older listeners and actors, um, have, do, do you have a secret to to, to line learning now? Because I, I mean, I find it more difficult than it used to be. Oh yeah, uh, even five years ago. Um, so um, what's what's the what's your what's your trick? Constant repetition. Yeah. Constant repetition. Yeah. Uh, there is no trick. I, you know, yeah. um, I, I have little tricks for things because there's always odd lines that are difficult for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. You don't seem to come easily. And then I, I, if it's like in a list of things, I might sort of think to myself, oh, they're in alphabetical order. Um, uh-huh. You know, or, or or think of some other way of fixing on the words that I'm finding difficult with a picture sure. of something or something like that. But overall, it is just constant repetition, constant yeah. repetition, constant yeah. repetition. And even when I'm doing in the middle of, you know, a run where you, you're fairly confident that you've, you know, got the thing down, yeah. every day before the show, I will go through the whole thing. In, yeah. In, you know, just making sure that it is there. <laughs> No, completely. I I know. I mean, I I yeah. I I've been doing that the last couple of years, and it just it's security. I think it's better. It is. It is. You don't necessarily need to do it. Um, and 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 also reading the play a lot. Keep mm. reading. The play. Even even this far in, you know, just keep reading, reading other the whole people's play. lines. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Read the whole thing as well, not just your own yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, and and it's surprising how much just sinks in. Yeah. You know. Yeah, just yeah like that but I, I mean because I've always had a fairly quick sort of learning capacity yeah. for, for words yeah. but it is definitely slower it's, it's harder than it was <laughs> yeah yeah. but as you say you can still yeah you're still still doing it still fine yeah 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 which is nice and and you know you get the odd moment where things don't quite go right in live performance but that's oh, all that's, good yeah, that's um, hard, hard, the other, yeah the other the other uh, thing that I really enjoyed doing and which mm. I was lucky enough to get was um, a couple of years of panto um, right which was through a guy who taught on my drama course who's Mm. now artistic director at Hartford Theatre and we did the the, the Cinderella in in Sheringham Little Theatre and then he took it when he first moved to Hartford we were the first show to 
perform in the reopened and refurbished theatre building. Right. Um, but that, they, again, that was great fun, hard bloody work, but it was great fun. What, 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 what were you playing? I was playing Cinderella's dad. Ah. Baron uh-huh. Stonybroke. <laughs> <laughs> That's a character name, if ever there was one. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, huge, huge, fun, great entertainment. Yeah. And, and again, a nice group of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really enjoyed that. I think you've been, uh, we were discussing this briefly last night, um, but it, I think, um, I feel like you've been probably fairly lucky with the um, working with, I mean, it sounds like throughout your career, but actually just within an acting with your casts and people being, you've, you've never had too many no, issues no. with, with uh, I mean, she's use the word diva, but that's not really happened too much to you. And uh, No, um, it's, it's been the odd occasion, um, but... I, I mean, I, I think I've always taken the view that, that you know, I'm when I was teaching as well, that, you know, you're in it together and you need to work together and you need mm-hmm. to muck in because otherwise things fall apart. Absolutely. Um, and I've, most of the casts that I've been with have had the same view. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's great because I'm a yeah. communist at heart. So. <laughs> <laughs> But in there, it's just it's just a base. I think it's a basic thing that every actor should. Well, it's not even just about acting. I think any job you go into, yeah. you should really, you know, work as if you can work as a team. It's going to make your day better. It's going to make the day. <coughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. It, it helps you as well in the long run. Yeah. So it's just slightly selfish <laughs> element. Well, I suppose yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, it works out for everybody. Yeah, um, I think so. And where and where it does, you know. Um, I mean, you can. We were saying last night, but you know, you can tell in a cast on stage if they're not getting on. Yeah, absolutely. I can remember seeing a production of Twelfth Night at um, the RSC Mm. in Stratford when I was in Worcester, and it was quite clear that the cast hated one another. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and the poor guy whose name I forgot, but who was playing Festo, who's Mm. trying so hard and getting absolutely nothing back. Yeah. You know, and I, I talked to our English tutor about it because his wife worked for the RSC, and I said to him, "I said, God, I've just seen the most dreadful production." You know, where obviously everybody hated one another, and he said, "Oh yeah, they do." Oh, right. <laughs> he, he said they've uh, they've had to bring in a new Sir Toby, the the lead violer. He was actually the understudy we saw, who was very good, but the lead right. violer has gone off long term sick in inverted commas. Right. <laughs> you know. God. And apparently, yeah, they truly did hate one another. Oh, my Let's just hope we never have to encounter that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, jumping again. Um, so, and I'm going to ask this as a general thing. I'm mean, not just talking about acting, but generally in life. I'm going to say outside of family, though, uh, the rules are. Um, who ha- who were your heroes initially growing up? Who do who people you looked up to? Um, performers or or, or or academics or whoever who people that you kind of really who you really or who you still admire um i don't think if i'm honest that i really had heroes mm. um uh um yeah heroes is a it, it's it, no it, i know I, I, cause people do but i don't i just don't think i did um there are a lot of people that i uh, admired as I, you know, as I was growing up and learning about, you know, 
um, I read, for instance, every Steinbeck novel, and, and right. I thought he was absolutely stunningly brilliant. You know, yeah. um, the hero is not quite the right word, but I, I, I really loved his works, and so read about him. Um, I, I think it, at various times there were um, uh, some some actors that that I I went and saw because we were we were lucky at school as I said and and we were taken to see London theatre quite a bit yeah. um, by our English teacher um, and uh, I mean I, I saw Ralph Richardson several times and I, it was. Uh, very very impressed um yeah. i know not everybody was but i was <laughs> yeah um but as i say i don't i don't think heroes is quite the right word sporting wise i i used to play a lot of tennis and watch tennis oh, okay. people like rod laver um just an amazing example of, of a tennis player um and from my own point of view in terms of learning because he was left-handed and i'm not um <laughs> john newcomb uh back okay. in the day was somebody that i used to look up to and, and sort of try to think about how i could play more like him right you know um but Do you still play tennis no no yeah, I, I, <laughs> I have an arthritic back now which I, I don't know. Some people would tell me I probably should still carry on, but actually, I prefer to just walk and cycle now. <laughs> Oil it with wine. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, I mean, this uh, this question is we sort of covered it a little bit already, but um, I want to ask again and clear it up: is what your fa- your favourite play you've been in and character and why generally? It was your favourite character and a play, and why? Oh, that's really hard. I know, um, I know. Um, and, and I'm going to pick one actually that I did before I trained. Yeah. Uh, in in uh, uh, in Nottingham, um, uh, where where the theatre there's a small theatre there, the Lace Market, yeah. um, and we did Twelfth Night, and I played Feste. Right. And I have to say that was, I mean, I'm a, a real lover of Shakespeare anyway. Um, yeah. And that is such a good part. You know, he is the spirit of misrule that sets everything in motion. And um, yeah. and it was, it was huge fun. Um, and they have a policy up there um, that the week after the show finishes, they have a discussion night where anybody from cast and audience can come. Yeah. And it was led by, the discussion night was chaired by Ruth McKenzie, who was at that time running Nottingham Playhouse. Okay. And she did a brilliant job on it because she came and she said, we're not, gonna, we're not here to discuss how else you might have interpreted the play. <laughs> we're going to discuss whether you liked the interpretation that there was and whether you think that they made it work. <laughs> okay. Um, but, the, 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 and so we had a nice discussion, but the, but the thing there was she offered us, she had a week um, unscheduled in July of that year at the Playhouse, yeah. and she offered that production group, you know, the opportunity to go and do it at the Playhouse. Right. Um, which sadly we couldn't take up because several people were leaving the area and all that sort of thing. But 
but yeah. she obviously thought it was a very good production. Yeah. Um, and and so it's it's one that's sort of stuck in my memory. Stuck with you, yeah. Yeah, and as I say, Festa is just such a good part. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 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 of course, Lilies. And of course, Lilies, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've enjoyed. I mean, I, you know, I've enjoyed most of the roles that I've, I've yeah. taken on since I've been yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, away from acting, what? I mean, I we've we talked about your garden. I mean, your your other your other hobbies in life. I mean, I know a few of them, but if you could just fill us yeah. in. Well, I, I I mean, I do walk a lot. Um, yeah. we, we regularly have family holiday up in the Lake District, um, and I often go to Scotland with friends, and I've just recently walked a bit of the Thames path with my sister. Uh, we're going to do the whole thing eventually, but we're going to do it in bits. Um, How uh, many miles is that? I've, I always think, because, um, well, because listeners around the world, Thames is, people think of the Thames as just, it's just it's just a bit in London, but no, I think it's I think it's about a hundred and sixty or something like that. I think in total, yeah, um, might be longer. I'm not I can't quite remember, but yeah, it's it's it, you know it, it's not something you can just do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know, you have to put aside time. In the day, yeah. Um, you know, last year I I my niece is a teacher, um, and she and I walked the South Downs way. Um, ah, yeah. Which was great. I had a, had a really nice time. We were lucky with the weather as well. But that's stunningly beautiful. Um, so, yeah, so I walk a lot. Walking and... Uh, cycle. I cycle a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't do it on a regular basis so much these days, but, I mean, I actually like playing bridge and chess uh, as well. Right. Um, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you pretty... I can imagine you are pretty good at... I, the, uh, well, I was a county player for chess. Oh, there you go. <laughs> in my in my in my youth, um, but I am. I, one thing about being an actor, joining a, a regular club is more difficult. <laughs> yeah, because you don't necessarily have those evenings free. No, you know you can't always you can't just predict. But um, but yeah. yeah, I mean I still you know read through chess articles and stuff in the paper and you know mm-hmm. play games. Uh, uh, and we play cards in the family when we're all together on the holiday. And we play bridge and solo and stuff like that. Yeah, that was something now, we did growing up, you know, kids. <laughs> um, now here's 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 a little part of the uh, the uh, the show, shall we say? Uh-huh. I always um, ask everybody because it's become a bit of a favourite, um, and I nicked it from. Have you ever seen Inside the Actors Studio, the TV show? No. Um, well, it's definitely one for you to have a look at in the okay. future. Um, <coughs> but it's this list of questions that he asks them off the cuff. They have an hour in interview, and then he basically uh, just, just throws them at them, and, it, and, and they kind of have to come up. So I'm going to just chuck these at you, and the first thing right. comes to mind, uh, give me your answer. So starting with, what's your favourite word? Oh, I don't have one, Matt. I don't have a favourite word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love words, but I don't have a favourite word. I know, you say you're a man of words. There must be one that appeals to you. One that's, that, that, cut, that, that, that you use a lot, that you, in, that, uh, that you enjoy getting your tongue around. Um, one that I, I use a lot to irritate people is moist. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that is... That, has come up because what is your least favourite word and that one has actually been answered that people have given me 
moist. Yeah. A couple of people yeah. have said moist. Um, yeah, I know yeah. Got hang ups about it. I don't understand why. It's a really no. descriptive word. No, it's it's, it's a good cake. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's it's soft turf. Um, so what is you? So then, yeah. So what's your least favourite word? Cunt. <laughs> which, which you use a lot in. in which your is actually play. used a lot in the castle. Yes. Um, <laughs> not by me, but uh, not by you. But <laughs> no, I don't. Pretty much it. everyone else. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Um, um, I don't know why particularly either, because I mean I'm not averse to swearing and stuff, but it, there's just something. I, I suppose it's part part of the age that I, I was brought up in, but it was a real no-no of a word. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think people uh, people are using it a lot more. Yeah, clearly is. Um, well, it's it's like it's like when I was a kid, fuck wasn't used very much either, and that right. got freed up. And it's happening to cunt as well. I can see the same sort of thing happening to the use of the word. Uh, there's a sentence there. Uh, <laughs> now, um, what? So here's the question: What turns you on, creative, spiritually, or emotionally? <coughs> um, beautiful landscape. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. So, what turns you off? Um, I think I. It'd be slightly difficult to explain, but ugliness of uh, how you, how some people deal with people, and mm-hmm. where unnecessary uncouthness and ugliness and um, yeah. disparagement of other people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I'm not really. I'm, no, I, I get you. I totally get me. you. Yeah. No, I. I'm totally with you on that one. Um, what so there's well, you said one curse word you didn't like so what's your favourite curse word oh um, buggeration <laughs> brilliant <laughs> that's the only swear word my mother used ever oh, really yeah <laughs> that's interesting that she did and, and the, the meaning behind it is yeah I um, know <laughs> I know but that was you know Oh, to hell and buggeration, she'd say. To hell and buggeration, brilliant. I have to use that myself. Nick it from your mum. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, that's an interesting one. I actually really like the sound of a French horn. Ah, interesting. Beautiful tone. That's not. I didn't expect that. Okay, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I lived in a flat in. Um, and when I was teaching in Enfield, and the girl up in the flat above me was a professional French horn player. Ah. And she used to get really worried about, you know, rehearsing, practicing. And I used to say to her, don't, don't, it's just lovely. <laughs> so she was professional, she could actually play, she wasn't just learning. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. So there's nothing worse than someone learning a brass instrument. Um, <laughs> I was doing that. No, myself. she wasn't learning it from scratch. No. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, so, what sound or noise do you hate? Um, it's going to be a very traditional one, actually, but anything that sounds like nails scraping on a blackboard yeah, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. makes me shudder. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it is, well, why it is quite so horrific. And so it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it doesn't have to be nails on a blackboard per se, but that sort of screechy, yeah. scratchy noise, I just, yeah. oh, I go tense. Forks on plates. Yeah, yeah, those sorts of things, yes. <laughs> Um, so, oh, now this. Well, I'm going to throw it at you. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? 
I mean, you've done them all, but um, <laughs> if you hadn't, if you weren't an actor and you hadn't been teaching and you and, and the rest, um, zoo, zoo, you talked about zoology. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, well, I, yeah, I mean, genuinely, I, I would happily um, have done had the career that David Attenborough had. Yeah, because <laughs> mm, wildlife mm. still does fascinate me. Yeah. Um, uh, and I do keep up to date with uh, a lot of stuff and I do watch a lot of nature programs um, yeah. and yeah a career where you, I could have um, worked in the wild outdoors yeah. mm-hmm. um, and presented stuff to people that would have been fabulous yeah yeah well you can probably tie that in with what I did, a, I did apply I did apply for a job with the um, uh, BBC Natural History Unit when I was first oh. teaching, yeah. But I didn't get an interview. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sod them. Sod yes, them. bastards. <laughs> uh, so uh, then the the final one, because there is another question about heaven. I'm, I'm not even going to go there. But um, <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? Anything that's dully repetitive. Um, yeah. Uh, on on like a production line or that so i mean i have done some holiday jobs like that um i worked in a pork sausage factory once on a holiday and that was the <laughs> most bored i've been in my life mm-hmm. time appeared to stand still you know <laughs> yes, you'd, you'd well, look at yeah. the clock at two o'clock and you'd do hours of cutting up of stuff and you'd look at the clock and it would be two minutes past two <laughs> yes yes so any job of that sort I think most people have had that at some point. If they haven't, then they've had a very gifted life. Um, and yes, yeah, so here's the final question. Has nothing to do with the, the actor's studio. This is my final question to you. It's not a question, really. It's just, I mean, we, we again, we touched on it briefly earlier, but if you could give your kind of parting words of wisdom, advice you'd give to somebody who was in their 40s, 50s, and was thinking about changing their career path, Kind of what's your token to take away? Uh, I mean, be brave, do it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't imagine being where I am now if if I hadn't done any of those sorts of things that I've changed. Um, I, I can't imagine sitting here thinking, "Oh, I wish I had." Yeah. That would be awful. Yeah. So be brave, do it. Be brave. Um, and John, as as I say, I'm going to try and get. Well, I'm not a totally can... brave person. But... <laughs> you, you know, well, I think you are. I think you are. Um, no, I definitely think you are. Um, to uh, to sell the show, if I can get it out and, and <laughs> add a few more oh, yes. to your audience before before you finish at the weekend, um, just briefly tell us uh, where and what time. <coughs> it's the Castle by Howard Barker. It's at the Space. Uh, on the Isle of Dogs, uh, which is not anywhere near as far out as people think it is. Um, It's actually very easy to get to using DLR. Um, uh, And we start at 7.30, and the play finishes about 10 o'clock just before. Um, And it's an ambitious piece of theatre of catastrophe, as Howard Barker quotes it. That's Ah. his claim. Uh, and it deals with big issues in a yeah. in a in a world of strong language. <laughs> Very strong language, but um, yes, most not people, suitable for small children. It's not a kid. No, don't bring the kids. 
Um, and uh, is there anywhere that people can find you if they want to uh, say hello to you on any social medias, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter? I am on Facebook, yes. Yeah, uh, and just under your name. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes. Fabulous. All right, well, we will sign off, John. And, Lovely. Um, thank you very much. No problems at all. Nice speaking with you.